All right, what's up, everybody? On this episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the NFL and Ezekiel Elliott in his six-game suspension. We discuss, once again, the Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and where Kyrie could end up uh, with an impending trade. We touch on Tiger Woods and his uh, cocktail habits. And we also discuss Kaepernick and the march on NFL headquarters in New York City. So stay tuned to an exciting episode of Guys Talking Sports. So the Guys Talking Sports. Uh, I'm sitting here today with my distinguished colleagues, the James Ross, a.k.a. Earl, a.k.a. Smooth. AKA One Love. My man, <laughs> my man Al, Al Quarles. How you guys doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing a uh, lovely gravy and all that good stuff. Go well, Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Um, I don't have no vino. I have apple juice, so I'm I'm doing good. Uh, yeah. Yes, no vino tonight. I'm I'm slacking. <laughs> I, I, I have so much. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so gentlemen, gentlemen. First of all, let me start off by sending a, a, a prayer and uh, well wishes to all those out in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. We all know what took place this weekend. I'm not going to rehash all of the things that went on has been talked about and continue to be talked about throughout the news and the media. Uh, but, you know, definitely want to just, just point out that these sort of things in 2017 and uh, I'm hoping that as a, as a people of the United States, uh, we can try to get past the situation and, and try to uplift one another and uh, make things better moving forward. I, I echo those words exactly. Um, this is a time for the nation to heal and to unify and not stay divided with everything that's going on in this world. I mean, we need to be more unified now more than ever. Um, hopefully that the people, I mean, everyone as a nation can come together because right now it's so vital. And the way things are right now, this division is just not, it's not helping anything. It doesn't show what America is. It doesn't show what USA is. As, as a USA um, citizen, as a U.S. citizen, you know, this is definitely disturbing on all fronts. And as a religious person, you know, all I need to say is, is that if we can't be together here, you know, how, how are we going to get together when we go into the afterlife and you know where that's going to be? So, you know, I, we need to come together. And that's just my thoughts on that. Same here. All right. With that being said, let's just step into football really quick. And uh, I guess the biggest topic going on right now is uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, getting handed down a six-game suspension from the league concerning alleged domestic uh, dispute against his ex-girlfriend. We all know the league took a year to uh, do their investigation to find out exactly what all went down. They, uh, from what I read, it did some really thorough investigating, talking with the, 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 the alleged victim, uh, associates, uh, doing everything that they need to do to do their due diligence before they decided 
to actually hand down a, a, a suspension to uh, to Elliot. So he believes it was wrong that you know he was cleared in uh, I believe it was in Columbus when all this was going down. They investigated it. Was this a way that uh, this this woman could extort him for money and different things? Uh, so so what do you guys take? Um, you know, it looks as though the, the league sided with the female at this particular point and handed down punishment, which to me seems like the league is making a stance to say, regardless if you did it or not, we're not going to tolerate this. And this is how things are going to go. So what, so what do you guys feel about that? Uh, my perspective is very, very interesting. Um, but it actually, in my opinion, took way too long. I understand the league's position on it, but, you know, as the reports that came out of the last couple of days, definitely seems to draw some um, suspicions on the um, person's testimony. I mean, there has been some reports in saying that she wasn't completely truthful with all of her statements, and that's the reason why Columbus nor Miami police, you know, police didn't bring any criminal charges against him. Um, also, there was a report where, you know, the FEMA said that, you know, she's gonna quote unquote, you know, ruin his career because of the ending of their relationship, you know. So that also kind of brings some of that in, you know, into question. And even the um the female, you know, prosecutor initially said that a lot of her testimony was inconclusive. Um, so I mean, it just seems like there was a lot of, you know, question marks, you know, going on now. If he did what he did, I'm totally all for the six, you know, sixteen suspension, which I'm assuming is probably will stand. And I'm not advocating, you know, you know, that, you know, as far as, you know, violence, domestic violence should not be, you know handled appropriately, but seems to be a lot of question marks, a lot more questions and answers with what's going on here. And then you look back at last year with Josh Brown, where the NFL knew what was going on, especially at the Pro Bowl, where his wife had to be, you know, moved completely to a different, you know, venue. Um, you even had John Marr, who knew, you know, the Giants owner of Josh Brown's transgressions, over 20 plus of them. This was last year. This wasn't five years ago. This wasn't seven years ago. This was last year after their quote-unquote no-tolerance policy comes into effect. And he only gets a game suspension. And Zeke Elliott is, I can't believe I'm advocating for a cowboy here, but it's a lot of, you know, you know, ambiguity with the statement. To me, it just seems like that it, it looked like they were trying to send a message and trying to be over, you know, protective of what there is because they had such of a black eye with Ray Rice and then this whole thing with Josh Brown slipped over. It was like the first time they got somebody, they had to bring down the hammer and prove that they were doing the right thing, just like with Tom Brady. And I can't believe we actually, you know, <laughs> big enough Tom Brady, but, you know, Tom Brady got four, you know, four game suspension for deleting some emails as far as, you know, the, the balls. And he took his suspension, four games. This one, it seems I was surprised when he got six, but under the letter of the law with domestic violence, first time offenders get six games right off the bat. However, they are not held in such a standard that the uh, police are is where they have to have, you know, you know, inconclusive evidence to bring up a charge. NFL did it because it looked like Ezekiel Elliott was putting, as they say, 
damage to the brand or the shield. So for me, it's it took a long time to get to this point, and there's still a little bit more questions and answers in the whole thing. Me personally, I think that um, I'm in agreement with what, 100% what you're saying. Uh, I think this was actually the NFL's taking their firm stance of, you know, we, we criticized the NFL in the past about certain things, their, their punishments, whether it's been too lenient or too severe or, you know, whatever the case may be, we criticize them one way or another. I think that this is the opening that the NFL, quote unquote, needed to set an example of how things are going to be going forward. Um, maybe they, you know, like you said, you know, there's still speculation with so much of the details behind this, but I think the NFL is trying to set a precedent that, you know, from now on, they won't, we won't tolerate any of this. And if we say that we're getting, if it's a first time offense and you get six games, we're going to stand by it and you're going to get six games no matter what. And I think that that's what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to set an example and say, look, you know, you we said this was going to happen if you break the rule and you indeed broke the rule. So we have to assess this punishment to you. And this is for NFL players and everybody else to take notice of exactly what it is that the NFL is trying to do. Now, whether they do it and continue to do it, that's one thing because the NFL doesn't have that consistency that they need um, in, in regards to enforcing rules, enforcing punishments. But I think that it's a start for them to see how they're going to do things going forward. And I think that's something that NFL players should probably take a look at and say that, you know, there's some things that you might not be able to get away with like you did in the past. Agreed. Uh, NFL sent a very strong message uh, concerning this incident. And I think I heard at one point that he was advised that if this should continue, there could be further suspension and or uh, possible banishment from the league. So that's a very, very strong message to not, Ezekiel, not only to Ezekiel Elliott, to everybody across the league, including management and ownership. So I'm, I'm, I really believe that they're going to try to drill this into their players' head to say, hey, man, look, you know, I know sometimes you may feel as though you get angry in certain situations. You better take a step back and walk away and cool off before you decide you uh, before you, you make your next decision because you don't want to throw away a, a golden opportunity to play in that league and to, to make the type of money that you can make. Considering that the the time frame, the average length of an NFL player is only three years, so you try to get as much as you can before you decide that you're expendable. And you're gone. So hopefully this really sent some serious shockwaves. But I, I think the appeal and how the league handles this appeal and what they do moving forward after the appeal will send uh, a clear message as to what players will do moving forward. Yeah, I, I – you know, this, they made um, Roger Goodell, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. So, I mean, you know, he's he brought, he's bringing down the hammer, you know. But I think, you know, it's there's nothing they can do about it right now. So, that collective bargaining agreement comes up where you can have an independent person on this appeal. So, how can a person that renders the judgment now is going to be the person that's going to vote on the appeal? Well, well, 
well, for this time around, they actually have a four-person group that composed of two women and two men that reviewed this whole thing over the course of the year. Roger Goodell had very little input in this whole situation. No, he didn't even meet with, you know, Ziba Elliott. He didn't even meet with, with the female. He just, like you said, he took... He took he took their, their recommendations and gave you know Samara's judgment without even speaking with anybody you know so it's like you just saw like oh, oh looks like you know domestic violence you know without even really getting all angles now if he like I said if he did you know hit the woman then he you know he deserves six plus but you know I think just the way that everything you know, it came down, just, it just leaves a lot of more questions than answers. Personally, I think if, if it, a first offense should be a one-year suspension. I think I, I think that that's something that everybody was in, a, in, you know, some majority of fans are saying that it should be a lot stiffer than what it is right now. Um, something to the point where you really want to reach, you know, the player's attention and grab their attention in regards to, you know, how strict you want the NFL to be. Not even in a strict, but things that you know you're not supposed to do. And you know that you're going to get in trouble for these type of things. And I think that, like you said, with the next um, player agreement coming, you know, they could dispute that in the next um, NFL player agreement. Um, you know what I'm saying? In regards to the um, NFL players in their union. Um, I think that's something that that's something that they should be able to discuss. But I really believe that this is a start. Now, whether or not they continue again will be up to up in question, but I think that is a good start. And let's see if they continue to keep it going or to enforce more stiffer penalties down the road. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we have what completed uh, week two of preseason now? Uh, week First full, well, first full-fledged week of games. Well, is it first? Yeah, first week. First week? Yeah. And I managed to, to catch a few minutes and glimpses of some games. And I I think fans are even more or less interested in preseason now than ever in the, in the past because stadiums are not even halfway full. No, I... I like that my Giants and our backup situation is garbage, garbage, garbage. Geno Smith, garbage. Josh Jackson, garbage. Ugh. Ugh. Hey, hey, is this first – both of them first time into the system. We got to give them a chance. I was you about know, to say the same thing. I, 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 you know, it's funny because, like, we read – you know, fans is ready for everything to, to – you know, it's one week. It's one week. So – I didn't even want I didn't even want Geno Smith on the Giants uh, on the Giants roster. I know they like to take a couple of players from the Jets and have them walk over to the other side of the building, but not that guy. Come on, really? I'd have preferred Colin Kaepernick over uh, over him. Earl's already in midseason. <laughs> just for that, just for that, he's going to go down. And Geno's going to lead y'all to the promised land. <laughs> Forget that. Put the put the kid in from California. <laughs> What, Davis Webb? David Webb? Yeah. That's your third stringer, buddy. That's your third stringer. <laughs> hey, they're, they're saying he's supposed to be the heir apparent. So, hey, look. I, 
<laughs> you know, you know, Earl is ready. He's already talking about third straight quarterbacks going. Right, right. Well, it's almost time. It's Labor Day. It's right around the corner. You got two more weeks. College football is going to be kicking off here in a minute. Can't wait. Uh, it's that time of year when baseball is coming down and the dog days of summer. WNBA should be wrapping up soon. Golf, eh, well, I, I don't, I don't follow golf, so I can't really speak on it. Oh, this is about the, this is about the best time of year because right about now is when you can literally discuss Major League Baseball, college football, NFL football. Uh, you can discuss preseason NFL. You know, you can discuss NFL all year long. And then you can discuss the dramas of the NBA, which leads me into a beautiful segment of Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and the Cleveland Cavaliers soccer. And where will Mr. Kyrie Irving land if, if this trade ever, ever takes place? Um, I, I read where Cleveland management is really the the point of trading Kyrie and trying to get younger and infusing a lot of young, talented talent is because of the fears of losing LeBron James after next year, which we've discussed in uh, numerous times over the past couple of weeks. And Cleveland is thinking the same way that, you know, LeBron has upheld his bargain with bringing a championship to Cleveland. So he, he owes them nothing and, so that he can probably part ways if he so chooses. And Cleveland is prepared for that and is making a very difficult decision about where they're going to trade Kyrie because it's very important that they get the appropriate pieces in place to surround a team to make them better and don't have a complete uh, fall off, which ain't really saying much. If you could just say, say you know, they guess to stay halfway decent, they should be able to make the playoffs in a week east. But, um, the biggest thing I'm hearing right now is Kyrie and San Antonio and Kyrie signing an extension with San Antonio if he goes to, to the Spurs. But then what would the Spurs give up? Thoughts? Um, I could see them a package, a deal with um, Danny Green, uh, Delonte Murray, and maybe another player um, for Kyrie Irving, if you know that's what San Antonio wants to do. But I'm I'm a, I'm curious as to why they would do that um, when they have a serviceable guard. Even when Tony Parker, if Tony Parker is not completely healthy, they have a serviceable guard in Patrick Mills. Like to be honest, I, I, me personally, I thought that Patrick Mills should have been you know at this point the starter over Tony Parker. Um, because he's been that bad. I mean, that, bad, that he's been that good. Um, and Delonte Murray definitely shows signs of a point guard of, in the future um, if he stays with the San Antonio Spurs. So, um, but I can understand, if, of course, you have a, a, a proven superstar in Kyrie Irving. So um, that would be interesting. I could honestly see San Antonio doing something like that, um, even though they pay um, – Patrick Mills a lot of money. I just, I could honestly see them do that because if anyone can 
can work Kyrie into a system is definitely Coach Pop. So um, I definitely I'm I'm more in agreement with what San Antonio can package to Cleveland than any other team at this point right now. That will be even in both for both teams. I should say. Yeah, plus not to say he stays on Cleveland. <laughs> at least for one more year. Yeah, because I mean, at this particular point, I mean Cleveland. Like I said before, it's a chemistry issue if they stay because obviously, you know, bridges are being burnt to the point where it might not be any comeback. But then again, Cleveland is really, at this particular point, they're at no behest to really trade, you know, Kyrie being how he has two more years of the contract. So they can honestly just say, no, you're playing with us. Or what you're going to do, sit out. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, do I see him going to San Antonio? Yeah, I think there's pieces that you can package to send him there, but I don't think it's going to go there. I know they really want to get at, you know, Phoenix Suns and trying to get some of their young talent out of there. I think that's the trade that they really want to make with some of the people over there because you'll get a lot more young players in return, a lot more wing players in return with a better package there or not. So I could see them really trying to work some angles with Phoenix. Uh, or like I said, he could stay put. And right now, Cleveland is sort of in a driver's seat because they want to trade him, but they won't trade him unless they get the best package possible in return, knowing that, you know, LeBron has not necessarily said he was going to stay. He might go. So right now, there's so much, you know, dark clouds hanging over your head. For me, I will keep Kyrie until, you know, the trade deadline and see what kind of deal you can really get. But I, I, before you end, I, I have to say this. Cleveland put this on themselves. Like, without a question, they should be taking – Cleveland Cavaliers, the ownership, management, they, they took this upon themselves. Like, this is the one thing that – and I can vouch for it because Brooklyn did the same exact thing, and look where they are right now. They tried to put invest everything in, and now, granted, Cleveland did win a championship out of that, but – they invested their whole future just to grab this championship. Because now look what, what you have. You have uh, LeBron James, who is contemplating about leaving. You have Kyrie, who doesn't want to be in Cleveland anymore because of this whole situation. Like, if you LeBron James would have came in, and I said this before, if LeBron James would have came in and you kept the people that you had with Andrew Wiggins or somebody like that, you would have built upon the, for the future. And who's to say with the people outside of that trade that they did with Kevin Love, who's to say that the people that they had originally there was couldn't have, couldn't have got you that same championship? And you would have had something built for the future. So I think Cleveland should I – mean, they should take ownership in regards to this. And now they're th- realizing the fact that now they got to build around a future because you have currently players that are all veteran players. You don't have no youth. What makes it even worse is because you drafted a kid in DeAndre Liggins who was playing well last season and was the starting shooting guard, but then you gave him up to bring in more veteran players. And like like I said before, you, you, you're putting all your investment into these veteran players, and yet you're losing all your young players that you had. It's unfortunate. I also read where... Boston inquired about Kyrie. They didn't state what they're willing to give, but they reached out. Now that would be interesting to see what Boston would be willing to give up. I'm pretty sure that they did their due diligence. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Thomas was thrown in that mix. Um, but to be honest, Boston has all the assets that Cleveland needs, whether it's young players or picks or a superstar that they want in return. They can get that in Isaiah Thomas. They have all the picks. But why would Boston do all, any of that when they're set in a prime position to overtake them with the current position, the current players that they have? I guess they're looking at Kyrie's better than uh, Isaiah Thomas. Mm, I, I I can't see that because that, but that may be true. That may be an argument there. Um, I, it's a slim argument, but my thing is is that. Boston is all set for not only competing for Cleveland for the Eastern Conference Championship, they're set up for the future beyond that with the players that they have, with the picks that they have, with the team that they have now. And my thing is, is that why would you assist Cleveland in that some way, shape, or form when you have the superstar you need in Isaiah Thomas, who is completely can do the same thing, almost what Kyrie can do as far as scoring-wise, and everything else from a superstar mentality. Not saying he's better than Kyrie, but on a superstar mentality, it's co- it's a comparison. And I play better defense. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I don't know because his lack of size does make it a a defensive liability in some shape or form. So you do have to throw that in the mix. But Boston is just set for. To be honest, everything is set in Boston's way. I don't see why they would do anything to give help to Cleveland at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they, you know, they're they're set pretty good right now. They have, you know, draft picks in the future, um, in the future, which they can even use, you know, down the road to acquire some other talent or, you know, you know, put a better package. So, I mean, interesting. Yeah, I mean, to bring Kyrie on there, you know, it will. You almost have to, you know, addition by subtraction. Isaiah Thomas would have to go because you're going to have two players there that basically play the same exact way. So to me, that would, that would be a bad backcourt. Just wouldn't really wouldn't work. But I mean, it's, I don't know. I, Hey, he, he could still wind up in New York. I, I think he should, if, if he really wants to be the man um, and take his own team, then you either, you got one or two choices. You either stay in Cleveland and let LeBron go, or you go to a place where you can do your own thing. And I say, go to New York. But I'm hearing that Cleveland, if he goes to New York, would prefer Prozingis over Melo. And that ain't going to happen. They want youth. They're trying to be young. But, hey, look, New York is like this. You already, you know, your your people's already undercut your trade ability by putting it out there in the market that he wants to go somewhere else and he got these four teams. So New York doesn't have to, you know, trade now. They can just wait, wait it out. Because right now they're in a position of power. If he wants to go to New York, they ain't got to agree to Cleveland demands. Thinking about, okay, well, you can tr- you can trade now. You can wait to the trade deadline. If you still ain't got a deal, guess what? Now you're in a position where next year he only has one year contract. You could lose them for nothing, and you can lose LeBron for nothing. So if I'm New York, if he wants to come, come. I say stay put what you got, and you wait for the best deal to come to you. I agree with that, but I just can't see Kyrie staying in Cleveland. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Um, I, things have happened. <laughs> that, that is true. 
But the only way I could see that happening is if LeBron and Kyrie make up somehow where they, you know, I, or at least come to an agreement that, you know, this is business and, you know, yada, 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 after this, then we could part ways or whatever. But I haven't seen nobody taking the approach of mending fences yet. So um, I don't know how that – I'm pretty sure that there was somebody who acted as the middle person between Kobe and, and Shaq when they had their beef. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that somebody needs to do something to, to mend this. And if – I'm really surprised that there's no veteran person out there that's not mending this right now for Cleveland. Yeah. And it, it so, it was on there, they can do it. <laughs> no, but it, but what makes it worse is that now you got media hopping on and you know jumping on different sides. Like you got Barkley saying that you don't understand. You know those type of things is just not helpful when you, you when you're supposed to be trying to mend fences. And I I just don't see that happening. And that's why I'm saying it's going to be to a point where Kyrie is going to have to go, and they're going to probably have to get whatever deal is possible, the best deal possible for them, even though it may not be the deal that they want. That is true. That is true. It'll uh, definitely be interesting to see how things lead, especially that the season is starting, I believe, a week earlier or two weeks earlier than normal? A week earlier, I believe. So they're trying to get something done. Probably only got like a – Maybe a month. And to be honest, I still believe that some some this this deal will probably get done a lot quicker than the Carmelo deal. Yeah, I still don't see why Carmelo wants to go to Houston. They ain't gonna go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Harden ain't giving up the rock to nobody. You got Chris Paul. Chris Paul, okay, he may prefer to be that third option, but. Uh, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how that would work, you know. But then again, you know, strange things have happened, like you said. Now, I said the same thing when they said – when I first saw the CP3 to Houston um, trade, I was like, I just can't see that happening right now. I mean, I could see a lot of issues going where CP3 is going to complain about Harden shooting threes or some not playing defense. And I could literally see that happening, like, on the court and off the court where there may be some drama. Now, maybe, you know, everybody get their rock, their, their act together, sing Kubaya, and it works perfectly in one season. But until I see results where I can see them play, like, together on a regular basis without no no, no looking to see if there's any issues going on, I'm, I'm you know, this is going to be an interesting season for Houston. But in regards to the mellow thing, like, I don't understand why New York doesn't, I really don't understand why New York doesn't pull the trigger. Just the whole thing about not taking wanting to take back Ryan Anderson's contract to me, I don't understand. As I mean, you can the the system would fit behind. He he's almost like a watered down version of what Porzingis can do outside. So I'm to be honest, they're both great shooters. So you can utilize Ryan Anderson in the you know. Let me ask you a question. If Houston was to say, we'll give you Ryan Anderson a pick and somebody else for Carmelo Anthony, you really going to tell me that New York won't do it because of the Ryan Anderson deal? But then who's the point guard? For who, New York? Yeah. Um, 
other than the Hardaway? Other than Frank. Um, that yeah, rookie, right. And the Hardaway. Oh, Ramon Sessions. Ramon Sessions. And most likely he's going to probably be the starter if they don't pull another point guard. Think about that. You're going to have Ramon Sessions, Tim Hardaway Jr. If Carmelo doesn't go, you have Carmelo, Porzingis, and whoever is at the three. I don't know. They at the end of the day, they might end up wind up doing what um Phil Jackson actually wanted to do before he got cut, and that's buy the man out. You know, on paper that don't sound half bad. They got Noah still, right? He's suspended for like twenty something games. Yeah. Why? What happened? What happened? Taking oh, some. I don't know if it's drugs, but he was taking a substance that wasn't uh, um yeah. approved by the uh, NBA. I mean, on paper, I mean, it doesn't sound fantastic, but on paper, with a decent point guard and Porzingis and Melo, you would think that they could squeak into the eighth spot. Oh, so you think Ramon Sessions is a decent point guard? <laughs> uh, I'm just asking a question. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> you think Ramon Sessions is your quality point guard that will give you help get you enough wins? No. Um... Got the rookie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, you know, I can't say I, I haven't followed the Knicks too tough. Um, I really think the Knicks should never give up on Calderon, but um, I'm trying to think how long was Calderon just left. I think he signed with the with, with the Cavaliers at that. <laughs> yeah, this year. He was with Atlanta last year. Oh, okay. Calderon was with the the Knicks two years ago. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that bad. Um, but, you know, I, I'm guessing that if Phil is gone, they're not going to try to run with that whole triangle offense. So I guess the, uh, whatever style of offense they're going to run. If you just need a service to the point guard just to be able to manage, you know, and kind of manage the team and get the get the plays off right, I don't see where Ramon Sessions could be a bad deal. But I guess it all depends on the offense they're trying to run. Yep, no triangle, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. It will be interesting to see what the next, how the Knicks um, offense is coming this upcoming season. Uh, now that, that the triangle is going, I'm really curious to see how that will help them as far as – help um, Porzingis' offensive game as a whole because that definitely wasn't helping him at all. Nah, his, his skill set wasn't – his skill set didn't really work with the triangle that well to be able to effectively use them. So, well, I mean, I, I give I give Phil this much. I mean, he managed to, to find some talent and just was trying to offensively trying to fit a, a what a, a a square peg in a circle hole. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, it's so amazing, and I the Knicks. I mean, it's like, uh, to be honest, I feel sometimes though like the Knicks are cursed sometimes. Like the whole thing with the Isaiah Thomas when he became like head coach and management through that whole fiasco with now with Phil Jackson. Everybody thought when Phil Jackson came in, you know, everything was going to be right. The ship was going to be right, set right. And it just felt as though that it was – it was a marriage in the making, and to see how that just imploded, like, it was just so unreal. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, like, it's been a while since the Patrick Ewing days that the Knicks, you know, well, let me take that back. Because um, I thought the Amari Stoudemire era was, I thought that was a great year for them. Um, four medal came in. Um, but I, it's just, it was just, it's just so crazy the fact that that's where they are right now. And still are right now. It's the curse of Patrick Ewing, man. No, it's the curse of Allen Houston and his damn shaky knees. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> man, Allen Houston is pretty well, baby. <laughs> but I still think it's the curse of Patrick Ewing just because uh, when he went down, I think, during the playoffs or right at right the playoffs when he broke his wrist, and then they turned around and traded him the following year, that was the worst thing. They should have let that man retire, retire a, a Nick in style. And ever since then, the Knicks ain't just been right. But I digress. <laughs> We've all digressed into the Knicks. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even really mean to bring up that. The whole thing. <laughs> you know, it's just funny the fact that Melo and, and Rockets are still, I mean, Houston and New York are still engaging in talks, but they just can't get anything done without a third team or, you know, or somebody's going to have to give on the trade. So. Well. Did I mention it's also Little League World Series time? Oh, I love this time of year. Uh, it is. It is. Yeah, it's Little League World Series. Matter of fact, New Jersey and Connecticut both made it uh, advance on to the little uh, beyond the. I guess they were in the uh, regionals. Now I think they're representing the next level before they'll go into the Northeast, Southeast, and all that stuff for the, the final four teams of the country. I think they're in the top eight. Little league teams left to play, so it's uh, it's always really cool to see the future stars of baseball playing at the the league world series. Uh, so that's always a fun time in August. Uh, that's why this month is probably the best month of the year for sports for people who love sports. Uh, so I don't know, fellas. It's, it's kind of slow out there. Uh, oh, oh, okay, yeah. So. A buddy Tiger. <laughs> they released uh, all of the drugs <laughs> that he was prescribed. <laughs> if you didn't see that, if y'all and the, and the people in the podcast, you didn't see that Adrian did the air the um, quotations. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't see how a doctor would prescribe all those types of drugs and tell you to take it all at one time. <laughs> no, he said. No, he said he took him himself. He said that it was his mistake because he did. He should have got a medical um, advice before taking that the medication. All of them. How do you get it? <laughs> Somebody had to prescribe it to him. <laughs> hey, the, the the same way as some of these other stars, you know, you know, you know, you know, rest in peace, you know, MJ, and rest in peace, uh, you know, Prince. But the same way these people got their stuff. There's always someone willing to, you know, willing to do these superstars a favor. But he did. He had a, he he had like what four four drugs, Xanax, you know, and some other stuff. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> Seriously, what you said? A a, a party popping pills or something? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but you know, he 
you know, he, um, his, his lawyer is able to get him, you know, you know, get him into a um, rehabilitation program or something or a di- no, excuse me, a diversion program. And if completed, which I'm sure it will be, then his uh, DUI charge will get um, just dismissed. When you got money. <laughs> no, that's why I don't understand, man. Like, all these people, as long as you participate in this program, you know, the case will be dismissed. Since when does that even happen? Like, well, it's for first-time offenders and people who have good enough lawyers to be able to get them into that kind of things because the regular Joe Schmo that did something like that, popping pills or whatever you had, you know, driving his Mercedes off the side of the road, looking the way he did, yeah, you ain't getting no uh, <laughs> diversion program. You're going to get whatever they give you. But it's, you know, I don't believe it's in all states, but I think in, in Florida, you know, hey, and trust me, any judge that goes out there and play golf, who wants to be the one that's going to sit there and uh, <laughs> hand that judgment down to Tiger Woods? It was like a diversion program? Okay, sure. <laughs> Like we root for you, Tiger. We root for you. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by the way, and by the way, can you give me uh can we go to the golf, you know, the, the, the range and you know, and take a couple of swings? Give me a few pointers. Scratch <laughs> my back, I'll scratch yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess this, this We're not saying we're not saying it actually happened, but <laughs> No, nah, no, no, just call it like it is. Yeah, just call it like it is. <laughs> hey, he like I said, he had the the money to pay the lawyers to be able to get him into that program. Not to say that he wasn't, you know, he shouldn't, but hey, it's not everybody has those that that kind of luck. Agreed. I definitely agree with that. No, it ain't my type of luck. <laughs> <laughs> Just my luck. You're like, uh, Mr. Catwell, uh, yeah. <laughs> you ain't gotta say anything, Judge. I know. I know. <laughs> Because I'm locked up. <laughs> 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 oh, fellas, fellas. Uh, well, I don't know about you guys. It's been a, unless you're into politics and things of that nature, that's probably uh, the number one topic of conversation amongst most people nowadays. So even seems like sports in this particular situation, though, still going on, take a huge major backseat. Uh, in, the, in the country right now so definitely been a not a slow week but it's definitely been a uh, I can't even tell you what really happened Friday night and Saturday because of what went on in Virginia <laughs> understood <laughs> well, I will say this to um, I will I will say this um, Marshawn Lynch you Stay real. That's all I can say, man. Like, stay real. Like, you, you, you don't. You, you've been doing this from day one, and I have to admit, I respect you for doing what you're doing. You know, a lot of people may not agree with what you're doing, but you don't hold punches. You said you're going to do what you're going to do, and you do it. So, that's all I can say about that. I, I, I can't knock what you're doing, man. How do you guys feel about? Um the march on NFL headquarters as far as Colin Kaepernick and what's going on with him so-called being blackballed in the NFL. And 
the pole mark or aka uh president the national president of kappa apple Psi, kappa alpha Psi fraternity incorporated also wrote a letter to uh to roger goodell expressing uh the issues with Kaepernick being that uh, Cap is a Kappa, uh, thinking, you know, trying to get some, some clarity as to why he's being blackballed and being left out of the league the way he's been being left out. So it should be really interesting to come the 23rd when this march takes place. Now, of course, you know, uh, with all the tension that's going on in America, this, this kind of a march kind of seems... Uh, not really a high priority sort of thing, but it's still it's still going to send shockwaves to the NFL just because people are really seriously considering boycotting, uh, not watching, not buying paraphernalia and, and, and things of that nature, which is not going to put a huge dent in the NFL revenue stream. But you know, if they project X amount of dollars for the 2017, 2018 year, and their projection comes up five five million or ten million dollars less, then I guess that's the only way the NFL is going to feel any sort of a repercussion once they feel that small dent. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you know with the march in the NFL headquarters, you know, and let's hope that Roger Goodell is actually there when he march. Um, definitely, you know, it's it's needed. Um, is warranted. Um, do I think at the end of the day, how much of a difference it's going to make? I'm still a little skeptical because most people in this country use sports as a way of kind of escaping from a lot of political issues that we have currently right now. So everything that happened in Charlottesville and everything, they want to use football they want to use college football baseball as a way to escape what's going on in here to kind of block out all that noise so when you have someone or anyone kind of bringing in protest to kind of take what's going on in the world into a sport where they try to you know escape then you're gonna have a lot of people that's gonna have a lot of backlash so for the people that's gonna boycott i mean boycott i mean is, is a good thing but i think it has to be it has to be something that's really going to make the NFL pick up their heads. And if you have, let's say, a thousand people, two thousand people, will give it that boycott the NFL by not watching the games. It's not going to hurt them at, at all. You get two thousand people that won't buy any paraphernalia, you know, or jerseys, or go to the games, or whatever. It's not going to hurt them at all. I mean, even you know, even um, the Giants owner said that you know all the letters and emails that he was getting was about people that was going to quote-unquote, not purchase their season season passes, which is why he didn't want to bring Kyler Kaepernick in because he didn't want to have anything disrupting their revenue stream. So overall, I think that's where you got to hit him at the pocket. At. It, has, it has to be maybe 20,000 people or maybe a million people that won't watch football or boycott. I mean, you have to really, in order to make the NFL make any major league changes, you really have to hit the NFL in the pocketbook. And you have to hit him in the pocketbook card that's going to make Roger Goodell and all the people in Fifth Ave and all their corporate sponsors and everybody's going to have to take a serious hard look. And until you have corporate sponsors, the NFL, I mean, the, um, the TV networks really getting on the NFL about what they're doing, 
they have at this particular point no real incentive to do anything different. They're just going to sit there and just wait this out and let it ride out because after week one or two, when you know you're getting in, starting against the meat of the season, a lot of people are going to do what with the Colin Kaepernick near the middle end of the season. They're just all going to forget about it and go about their business and worry about if my team's going to make the playoffs or if my team is not going to make the playoffs. And that's what's going to end up happening. So do you think the stances of Michael Bennett and uh, Marshawn Lynch and the possibility of others moving forward are going to make uh, – it's going to be anything different? Is it because they're sitting on the, the bench versus being on the knee in the forefront? You need – you need Michael Bennett is good. And Marshawn Lynch, you said he's always sat down. You know, I've never seen it, but it wouldn't surprise me. But Michael Bennett sitting on the bench is not going to, you know, make people take notice. Now, if you get a Tom Brady or you get an Aaron Rodgers or you get one of these high-profile, high, Q, you know, QBs, white QBs, I'm, I'm going to say. But if you get one of those people that's at the upper echelon of the NFL sit down, then you're going to start seeing some people really start to take notice. But right now, the Michael Bennett's of the world, the Marshall Lynch's of the world, even a Russell Wilson, if they sit down, no one is, let's call spade a spade, really going to care. You need the collective effort of everybody in the NFL to sit their ass down. And that's not going to happen. No, I and that's – and that's my solo box speech for the day. No, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Until you get a high, pro, a high quality, high profile um, player to to actually be in agreement, it's not. Or like you said, a, a bunch of, of of a whole group of people, like a hundred players, to do it, or you know, more than that. Um, it's not really going to make a, a significant dent. Um, it'll be talked about in the media for a while, um, but it won't make any significance if nobody is speaking about it because you could be you could do something and still be unseen. The march for the NFL at the NFL, you know, a thousand people, you know, if the media is not there, who's going to really know about it? Like, you know, that's got to be something that has to be put into the spotlight. And until you see somebody that's put into the spotlight that's actually – that's media where media will pick that up and run with it. Like when Colin Kaepernick took that knee and people saw the pictures, that's what started this movement. Um, of course, now you have Marshawn Lynch, for example, with the picture that he took um, that's continuing that movement. So even if Colin Kaepernick is not here, you know, the players that are, the players that are still in the NFL, um, whether they continue that or not, um, it's going to be very important because if they do continue it, that means this news is going to be continuing in, in regards to it. And that's what people want. Um, if the NFL players don't do anything to address it or just continue to just play the game and not recognize what it is that Colin Kaepernick was doing, then it's going to get faded out and ride off into the sunset. So we, you know, there's got to be something that will continue the movement, um, whether it's, you know, um, Bennett or whether it's Lynch or a bunch of other players come together and they may have to take initial steps for it to get even more notarized. Until that happens, like you, like Earl said, you know, the NFL could just sit on this and just let it just ride into the sunset. Very, very true. 
Yeah, and a lot of these NFL players out there, I mean, they have, you know, endorsement deals, they have money deals coming out. So, I mean, if your, your you know, endorser is giving you a few mil a year and you want to sit down and they're like, ugh, we don't think that aligns with our image. We're going to cancel, Scott Trey cancel you some millions of dollars. Yeah, I don't see too many NFL players right now that are going to sit there and not, <laughs> you know, adhere to that almighty dollar. And I think that's what's really key because, you know, the NFL players are being, you know, they have advertisements as well. They have sponsorships and, you know, they have, you know, commercials, endorsements and all that. And, you know, the question is, is that, you know, is it worth sacrificing my lifestyle, my, you know, what I'm used to, um, to be a part of something? And like you said, these, these, these endorsement people, these endorsements, they will, you know, only, like you say, the same thing with the um, advertisements the, that support the NFL, you know, until they start losing money is when the, the TV, until they start losing the money, that's when it becomes important to the NFL. Same thing with the NFL players. When if these people reach out to the endorsements of players that support what Colin Kaepernick is doing, they may frown upon, you know, that type of support and say, this may not, you know, while you're doing this, this doesn't represent us as a company. So we may have to pull. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what people do this season. But that's, that, and that's why I said, again, you know, um, what Colin Kaepernick done um, is doing is something that someone has to take that torch and carry it because Colin Kaepernick is no longer until he gets signed. He's, he's not in the limelight anymore for him to continue doing it. So if someone takes the ball and run with it, they have to take it to that next step in order to reach the NFL's attention. Great. Well, definitely keep my eye open in uh, August 23rd and this this March on NFL headquarters. Um, also, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out within the next 10 days of this Ezekiel Elliott suspension and see where we're going from there. Gentlemen, it seems as though we're coming close to an end. Uh, I know we could probably be talking about this this sort of thing for hours upon hours, but you know we uh, we got to save something for next time. So we'll just keep our eyes open, our ears open to see how things develop moving forward. But with that being said, let folks know where they can reach you at. No, you can get me at me on um, Twitter. Um, the gram, Snapchat at J E R O S S seven at, and you can reach me on Twitter and also Instagram at I am Al Qualls, and you can reach me on Twitter at uh, Adrian Cat one nine six three I believe I can I keep forgetting oh it's Cat Daddy one nine six three you got your own name boy what's the matter with you I know, I know. it's just too many things popping in there C A Y one nine six three. Yeah, that Adrian Cat is his other alias. <laughs> yeah. That's my that's my Xbox gamer tag. NBA <laughs> <laughs> Live eighteen is really good this year. You should check it out <laughs> on Xbox. Yeah, but so with that being said, fellas, it's always a pleasure. Until next time, uh, we meet again this time next week Tuesday. We'd like to thank everybody for uh, partic- participating and uh, following us and, and you know.
you know, just letting us know that we're doing well and encouraging us and giving us ideas about things we can do here. Uh, but thank you guys for listening to Guys Talking Sports. And until next week, stay blessed. We look forward to talking sports again. Love, peace, and soul. Peace out. One love, Charlottesville.